Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to a brand spanking new episode of your ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast, Around the Rim. And this is the week of June. What is the date? I never know the date. This is the week of June 7th. So we are hot and heavy into WNBA action about three weeks in. So still a lot of moving pieces, but the play on the court has been hot as ever. If you're not watching, you need to be buzzer beaters, overtime games, clutch shots, all of the above. Uh, coming to you on your WNBA app, on ABC, ESPN, CBS, wherever you want to watch the WNBA. We got you. So today's podcast, um, I will be hosting with China Robinson as usual, but Tarika Foster-Brasby is away from us today. Um, our fantastic and fabulous producer is visiting her mother. So um, in these COVID times, we are celebrating and excited that Tarika can see her mom, which she has not done in over a year. But we have some very capable hands filling in for the shoes of Tarika, and that is Christina Buswell. Welcome to the show, Christina. Say hey to the people. Hey, y'all. <laughs> We're excited to have uh, Christina with us, as well as Lachelle Smith, who is shadowing Christina. You love to see the professional development happening amongst women podcast producers. So thanks for filling in, Christina. And we have got an amazing show for you guys today. Yes, lots of very special guests um, joining us on the show. We do have brand new head coach of the Seattle Storm, Noelle Quinn. Wanted to just give our fans a little bit of insight on her background, on how she's feeling about these opportunities. But then also, um, what happens to her the night after Arike Gumbawale dots their eye with a buzzer beater? So we're going to find out uh, what she's like after a, a tough loss as well as a new head coach. But congratulations to Dan Hughes on a Hall of Fame career and welcoming in Noelle Quinn for the storm. On our show, we also have the amazing, the incomparable Christy Winter Scott. And we're going to look at the bottom half of the WNBA standings where there seemed to be some movement happening for various reasons. Um, when you look at the bottom of the standings, which is honestly something we don't do very often, we usually start from the top. Um, we see some teams making a move. Chicago Sky. Just got Candace Parker back. They could be on the move. They're in the 11th spot right now. Indiana is in 12. Minnesota Lynx are in that 10 spot. Um, they've got Lasia Clarendon. They've now gotten Fisa Collier. They had a three-game win streak. Um, so can they get back on the good foot? Washington Mystics in the ninth spot have welcomed back Maisha Hines-Allen. They are not welcoming back Elena Deladon quite yet, but Christy is going to tell us about her Mystics, which she calls the games with uh, Megan McPeak on a nightly basis. Eighth spot is the Dallas Wings. So those are the teams we will discuss. Dallas's young squad has won two in a row, including wins over Phoenix and Seattle. So Arike Gubawale and company and Vicki Johnson um, could be on the move up the standings. And then last but not least on our show, we have the Hall of Famer herself, Katie Smith, assistant coach for the Minnesota Lynx, joining us, the legend. Um, to answer our five questions for a legend. If you haven't been listening, we have a new segment where we are talking to some of the best in the game about their memories as we commemorate the 25th season of the WNBA. So with that, we're going to get to the show, but just want to remind you to make sure that you are rating our podcast, leaving your comments, wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, on the ESPN link, um, you can find us everywhere, but make sure you leave a review, you rate, share the podcast with your friends, 
You can follow us at Around the Rim Pod on Twitter, and you can email us at Around the Rim Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you to everyone that reached out with comments after our mental health episode uh, with Dr. Don coming off of the Naomi Osaka French Open situation. Um, we appreciate it because the feedback is very welcome. Tarika and I are probably going to go over a few of those interviews um, at, excuse me, those um, emails at some point just to debrief with our friends that are so kind to, to write us. So um, yeah, thank you so much and continue all the, the kind words or comments and questions coming in. And with that, we will get to the show. All right, basketball fans. Um, this woman needs no introduction because uh, to me, she is the queen of many things because she wears a lot of hats and she wears them all so well. I still don't know how she does it. Maybe she'll share with me her secret sauce or tea or coffee. You a coffee drinker, Christy? I am a coffee drinker, you know, here and there, little caramel macchiato every other day or something like that. It's, it's a good thing for me. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm about to add that to my diet because I need to be wherever you are in this world. If you um, are buried somewhere in a hole, you don't recognize that voice. But that is the Christy Winter Scott, um, fantastic basketball analyst um, on many levels, but you probably know her best as the voice of the DMV for basketball, uh, men and women. Um, but we are on this podcast to talk about the WNBA where she's the voice of the Washington Mystics. So welcome, Christy. Oh, LaChina, thank you so much for having me. Your bright light is just making me so proud. Every time I hear your name, see your face, I smile so brightly. You, you are just doing incredible things. So kudos to you. Well, I'm just trying to get to where you are, but I got a lot of work to do. In the meantime, um, we have some catching up to do in the WNBA. And um, I'm going to do something a little differently for our conversation. I usually start at the top of the standings and talk about the teams that are competing for the championships. And not that these teams in the bottom are not, but I feel like one of the trends in the league right now is that the teams at the bottom are starting to make their push and starting to rise. So we'll start at 12 with the Indiana Fever. Um, they are a little bit of an exception here because they are struggling. Um, they've lost six in a row. Uh, one in 10, a team that, you know, has some pieces, young, definitely still needing to figure things out. Um, I definitely believe in Marianne Stanley, but they've got something they've got to, to figure out for the fever. But if you know Tamika Catchings and company, they'll get it. They'll get it turned around. Um, Chicago Sky, Candace Parker is back. They lost, what, seven games in a row, um, but got Candace back and beat the Indiana Fever this week. So that's a good sign to have Parker back in the lineup. They now have Dolson back. They have Quigley back. So um, as we've said all season, the sky's the limit, but that's another team in the 11th slot right now in that bottom half of the league that I think is going to see better days ahead. The Minnesota Lynx is a team that you saw recently, Christy, um, against your Washington Mystics. And, you know, I mean, God, Cheryl Reeve is, is brilliant, as we know, as a coach. Um, we're actually going to talk to Katie Smith a little later in the show. But they got Collier back into the lineup, which just seems to help. Lasia Clarendon at that point guard spot seems to have been something that's working well. Um, now, your, your Mystics put a whooping on them. But what did you see from the Minnesota Lynx that may be encouraging for their fans in the weeks to come? Well, I tell you what, LaChina, when – Minnesota came in, the challenge was definitely on the table and set, especially with the addition of Lasia Clarendon, who just brings that dog mentality and that grit to the court. 
But I think what Washington did to thwart that and Dangerfield as well was to play mud defense. They were just down and in a stance, communicative. I think Natasha Cloud in the second half really made a difference in that regard. But I thought that all of the Mystics guards really did a good job of pressuring and taking Minnesota's guards out of their comfort zone. And even with that being said, I think Sylvia Fowles had limited touches and Mama Sill is still doing her thing. And I think Washington also did a good job of, of containing her touches, but when she did get it, she was magnificent as always. But I think just overall for Minnesota coming into that Washington game, they had won three games in a row. And with that, I think came a lot of confidence. So those three wins, I think they got them because they continued to gain that chemistry with Collier back. They were missing her at the very beginning. And I think with having her back in the lineup, I think it made a big difference. But I also think the addition of Leisha Clarendon, who was released from New York, picked her up. I just thought that was a, a terrific move for the Lynx in terms of her experience level, her um, knowledge on the defensive end in particular, but also her ability to score the ball. So when you add a player like that to the mix of a relatively young team, I think that has been a good calling card for Cheryl Reeve. I know she was frustrated at times in the Mystics game because they were turning the ball over or, um, you know, some of their errors were unforced situations, but I just love what she has in her bag in terms of what she can work with, how to get them back in that great flow. Cause they were slow out of the gates before they won those three in a row, but then uh, Washington um, gave them that loss as well. But I just think they have so many fantastic parts and, you know, crystal danger field and the way she plays, especially down the stretch and the game before that, I believe it was against Atlanta and they had a back to back with Atlanta over the weekend last week. And she was just magnificent in the fourth quarter. I believe she didn't miss a shot. I think she had 10 points. It was four for four in the fourth quarter alone. So she possesses that clutch gene and, and she's a baby, you know, so she's, she's getting things done as well. But, but I love the dynamic. I love the coaching staff there with Rebecca Brunson, Katie Smith and Glennette Pearson sitting right next to the basketball savant and Cheryl Reeve. So I think, you know, there's time to figure it out. I know that they, they had a stretch there where things look great but they have to get it and, and do it again for another stretch. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the three in a row coming in, which included those wins over Atlanta, which I was impressed by because they did it in different ways. First time they played Atlanta still was not as involved second game. She was, but they were able to stretch their lead with their defense. Actually, they turned them over, turned Atlanta over pretty well in those two games, but then they also beat um, Connecticut, which had to be, a confidence booster, but they go into that game against Washington. As you mentioned, Washington had a season high points off turnovers with 23. They forced uh, Minnesota into 21 turnovers, had 13 steals. We'll get to the mystics in a minute where it seemed like things are, are starting to shape up a bit. Um, but the Lynx 20 turnovers tied for the most in a game this season. I agree with you. I just think it's a team that's still getting their footing. And, and, and to me, Christy, those are the teams that I think, may struggle a little bit more out of the gates is those that were missing players um, either due to injury coming back from overseas, like Mephisa was um, or, or later rivals, you know, maybe 
Cheryl Reeve, I mean, Lasia Clarendon becoming available is something Cheryl Reeve just felt like she had to take advantage of. I'm sure a lot of teams in the league felt like they needed Lasia Clarendon with her experience. But, um, you know, so so things are still coming together. But it seems like those teams that are making late changes, late ads may be the ones that start to really um, hit their stride. And before I get to um, a team that's added some pieces and is starting to move in the Dallas wings, let's talk about your mystics. Got that win over Minnesota. And, you know, from those of us on the outside looking at Washington this year, it was, okay, how is Tina Charles going to do? They're sitting ninth right now, three and five. Coach Tebow said early, let's not get carried away with the expectations. You know, this team is going to get better as the season goes on. But Tina's got four 30-point games this year in the MVP conversation. Some changes to the lineup. I think Zealous started the other day. Give us some insight on where the Mystics are right now. I mean, they're right where they want to be, I think, right now in terms of having Tina Charles playing some of her best basketball. And she's just been consistent. Like you said, I mean, she has four 30-point games, but she also has the ability to be a great leader for this team. In the absence of Elena Deladon, who has not seen the court yet, I think that is still um, something that is intriguing, to say the least, uh, when she gets back into the mix with Atina Charles. But the fact that she is leading the league in scoring LaChina, I think that speaks volumes to what she wants out of this experience in D.C. And the fact that Washington won a championship in 2019 that was enticing for her to make her way back to a, a place that's comfortable for her. I mean, she played for Mike Tebow in Connecticut for years. He drafted her. She won the MVP under his tutelage in 2012. So I think with that kind of hunger around you, I've asked some of the players, what does that hunger for a championship do to you, even though you've already won one? And this was to Ariel Atkins. And she said, it just empowers me, you know, to have somebody, you know, you almost want to do it for her. You know, and, and she's in her fourth year this year, Ariel is, and she did it in, in you know, just a couple of years. <laughs> and yeah. Tina's been in the league for a while. So she she kind of uh, kind of echoed what a lot of the players who are remaining on the roster for Washington who have won a championship. They have a player like Tina Charles in tow and they want to win it for her. So that just makes them go harder. So I think Mike Tebow, he says it properly every day, win the day and take it step by step. And, you know, he's never going to say like out of the gates, like we're going to do it all, even though the underbelly of that is we want to do it all, but it's not going to happen right away. And there's still some rumblings of Emma Mieseman making a return after the Olympic break. So that's also something to keep an eye on for Washington. But I think they have a great mix of players. Um, Sydney Weiss, unfortunately, is out with that ankle injury, but that's not going to take too long to come back from. And she's going to be back out there striking from three. So I think the spread offense is, is really great to see. Myesha Hines-Allen had a fantastic year last year second team all WNBA at the end of the bubble situation and she just made some great strides in terms of her confidence and she played big minutes in France so her conditioning is great she says you know I've never played this many minutes you know before last year and then I went overseas and played even more big minutes so she's in terrific shape mentally and physically and you know she's taking that load off of, you know, players like Atina Charles. So with both of them on the floor, they're really starting to come together and gel. And Coach Tebow said um, today, uh, prior to the LA Sparks game, that, you know, they really don't have practice time to gain that chemistry, that the chemistry that those two in particular are gaining, that is happening in game. So that's fun for me to see because we can't get into the practice itself. I, I like watching 
that dynamic of, of those two players really playing off of one another. And when Tina's double teamed, Maisha moves well off the ball and relocates to the sweet spot. And they're, they're really finding one another that way. Yeah, I mean, to your point, Heinz Allen had, what, 32 against Vegas, a game that Washington just came so close. I mean, you win that one, and your confidence is sky high, right, with uh, the way we've seen Vegas performance stretches. Any word on when Deladon will be back? Is that still a little bit of a mystery? It is a mystery, and it's unfortunate because it's almost like, you know, you see her at the games, and, you know, from, from the eyeball test, there's no, you know, she's not laboring. She's not limping around. She's not, you know, it doesn't look stiff or tight. So, I, you know, I'm keeping an eye on her. I'm a mom. So I'm watching every I little thing. <laughs> I see those eyes. I'm watching every little thing. But no, no word yet. Um, at the beginning of the season, Coach Tebow had said, you know, three to six games. But, you know, now we're seven games in uh, here in D.C. And um, I, you know, still no, no word, you know, whenever we get the report. Uh, of injuries. She's always on there saying out with back. So we're just patiently waiting. Um, no news, I guess is good news, but I mean, there, I don't think there are any setbacks um, by me saying that. I don't think there are any setbacks. So that's kind of the good news part of it. So I guess we're just kind of anxiously waiting for the all clear by the training staff to uh, permit her to come back. You know, she had that second back surgery after that initial one, after the 2019 championship. So I know she's trying to contend for a a roster spot with USA basketball as well. So that's something to consider. So I don't know what that looks like for Elena Deladon, but I hope she gets back out there soon because I want to see that mix that we never got to see last year with her and Tina Charles and the crew and cloud out there and Atkins. I want to see that mix. I want to see what that looks like. Yes, and Emma back. I don't know how Coach Tebow's going to make all that work on the roster. But anyway, that's why he's one of the best in the business. All right, uh, but you're right. Tina Charles is averaging 26 points per game to lead the WNBA. Next closest is Arike Agumbawale at 22 per game. So a little bit of a... I mean, Tina's up there. And speaking of Arike, the last team we wanted to ask you about is the Dallas Wings, the young Wings, who have won two in a row. It's not just that they've won two in a row, and they are in that eighth spot. So um, the bottom up goes Indiana, Chicago, Minnesota, Washington Mystics, and then Dallas. Um, But the two that they won were against Seattle with the heartbreaker shot by Arike Gumbawale and against Phoenix. So against two teams that um, are ahead of them in the standings. And just curious, you know, as, as I mentioned earlier, sort of that theme of getting players back in the mix, you know, now they've got Satu Sabli, um, who's who's healthy and playing. And obviously, Marina Mabry is having a tremendous season, has to be the front runner right now for, for most improved from last year. But, um, you know, with Enrique, with her scoring ability, I like this young Wings team. And now they've got Alicia Gray back. That's the other player that's returned back to the roster. Right. Um, I mean, are we... Could we see Dallas finish somewhere in the top four? Is that a possibility? Could t- could Vicki Johnson's team finish that high? Uh, top four? I-, I think they could do that if they continue to play as well as they're playing right now. I, I don't think that's out of the question whatsoever. I mean, they missed the playoffs last year, let's China by one game. And they were one of the youngest teams with New York in the league last year. And they were banging on the door and just missed it. Um, but I think with Arike Gungawale and her continued display of heroics, it's so much fun to watch, number one. Um, the fact that she hit that dagger of a shot against Seattle gave her Woo! 20. It gave her 24 points, but she wears that 24 proudly across her chest. So I just, you know, I'm all about numbers, too, and kind of, 
you know, the uh, twilight zoning of, of that in a way. But I just think that, you know, she's kind of embodied that Mamba mentality when it comes to winning games. We saw that collegiately at Notre Dame and we've seen that continuously in the WNBA since she stepped foot in the league. So I think, you know, if they can carry that level of confidence and right now they have all the pieces back with Satu Sabli and, and crew and Marina Mabry. I mean, my gosh, what was she doing during the, you know, the off season? Because she flipped the page. Like she didn't just turn one page. She turned the whole chapter of the book and is just well ahead of what she was doing last season. So you're right. She is definitely a front runner for most improved, but they read and react and play off one another so very well. I think that's um, the impressive part is, is the chemistry. And if they can continue to sustain that, I I don't think top four will be out of the question. If not top four, definitely top five. And they're right there right now with those two big wins. We'll see what the power rankings look like next week with them. Yeah, the way they played against Seattle this year definitely stands out to me because there's not a lot of teams that can put Seattle in the crunch the way Dallas has. And uh, looking at the numbers for uh, Marina Mabry, last season she averaged 11 points per game. Um, shot the ball at 43% from the field, 42% from three. This year, she's at 19 points per game. Okay. Shooting it at 49% and 43%. Um, and, you know, one thing Vicki Johnson told me coming into the season was she didn't, she didn't want to play Marina Mabry at the point guard, right? So that was one reason why they eventually drafted Dana Evans because they weren't sure if Mariah Jefferson would be healthy. Well, Mo Jeff has been able to play minutes, um, which has really – you know, given Dallas that extra punch. Um, and I like the way this team is shaping up. Now, with that being said, right, <laughs> they won their last two, but they're getting ready to play Phoenix again, which I'm just enjoying this back-to-back. It's like a yes. mini playoff series, it right? Is. The way it they're is. playing team, the way the schedule's done. Mm-hmm. Then they play Vegas in Minnesota. So we will find out um, if the young wings are everything they say. And I know that We can't have too much more of your time, Christy, because uh, you are maybe the busiest woman in television, busiest mom, busiest wife, all the above. So we're just grateful we got to spend a few minutes with you and uh, keep up the great work. Where can fans follow you on Twitter and Instagram? Well, it's both the same handle, Christy, C-H-R-I-S-T-Y, Scott 51 on both of those platforms. And LaChina, you know, I love you so much. You know, I'm super proud of all that you do for the game, with the game. And I love the fact that you had me on today because I love seeing your beautiful face and chatting with you and all the best to you moving forward. Keep doing great things. Lechina, I love you. Thank you so much, sis. That means so much coming from the my role model to hear those words. Oh, one more thing. Oh, yes. Tell them about your podcast because you have two, right? I do. You know, with that COVID break, I can't sit still. You know that I was going crazy. So <laughs> I figured I'd get on some, some podcasts. So I'm on the, the Field of 68 podcast network. And that's been so much fun. We just recently had Tamika Catchings on there talking about her Hall of Fame run and, and everything, Fever, Basketball, and WNBA. And I'm also on the Her Hoop Stats podcast network with Gabe Ibrahim. And we do a courtside with Christy and Gabe there. And then on the field 68, it's called Christy's court. So it's all about hoops all the time. You know, I love it. And I I just love talking about basketball all the time, which I loved again, discussing hoops with you today. Well, all of our listeners go and jump on those two podcasts right now and follow Christy on social media. Thank you so much. Love you. Be safe. Always appreciate your time. Oh, big love. Bye-bye. All right, WNBA fans, um, some huge news out of Seattle about a 
week ago, week and a half ago, maybe now the days are going so, so fast, but um, the storm named a new head coach, um, a future hall of famer, in my opinion, and Dan Hughes retired announced that he is ready to step down and start the next phase of, of his life. So we are thankful for everything that Dan Hughes has done for the game and Seattle is always ahead of the curve. And this was no different in the announcement of Hughes retirement because they were already ready with their next head coach. And she is joining us right now. None other than Noel Quinn. Um, Noel, thank you. Congratulations. We appreciate you joining us. Um, just now that things have maybe settled down a little bit, I mean, I know you're on a five game road stretch, but um, what has your world been like since being named head coach of the storm? Uh, still floating a little bit, you know, it's been a whirlwind, a lot of love, a lot of support, but also a lot of stress, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just, you know, with added responsibility, but good stress, good stress. If that's, even possible. Um, you know, just being a part of an organization that um, truly empowers um, and truly just cares and supports and obviously um, coming off a championship, it makes it a little bit easier to have the best of the best on the team within that. But again, just super grateful to Dan for his mentorship and his leadership and just right now, more so than anything, try to win games and <laughs> stay focused. Yes, totally, totally understand that. You mentioned Dan. You also um, got a great staff too, including Klopp, who's one of ours, who's been on on um, Around the Rim podcast. I know it's great also to have someone with his experience. I, I forgot to mention him on your game. Want to send a shout out to Klopp. Um, take us back though, because you were thankful to the Storm organization, but this was already kind of in motion. Tell our fans about how they had the foresight that this was going to be your place in their organization. Right. You know, and obviously this was the destination and destination came a little quicker than I imagined. Um, even as a player um, at the end of the year, when we talk through our exit meetings and such, um, Lisa Bramwell, she always was like, you know, we see coaching in your future. And that kind of is how I honestly got into coaching when I was coaching high school as a player as well. It's always what they saw within me. And so um, given the opportunity to coach after I retired and just kind of my path was expedited and <laughs> my role increased so fast. And I think having established just some time in the league and experiencing what it is to be like as a player and honestly understanding um, the role as uh, that coaches have to have, I think it just enabled me to transition a little bit seamlessly, maybe if I wasn't, um, didn't play in this organization, but again, something that others saw within me. That is just fantastic to hear because something that we've been saying about this league over the years is that there need to be more former players coaching. There need to be more women of color coaching. Like that was extremely clear. And I think it's great that the storm had this already in mind, right? Like they saw that in you, they paid attention to say, Oh, even as a player, she's got these instincts, you know, Sue Bird said, you see everything is what she told us um, that you don't miss a beat. So it's important that they honed in on that. Um, what do you see as we, we, I just mentioned, you know, some of the former players and black women not getting um, the opportunities to coach in the WNBA that's hopefully changing now, but what are some of the 
hurdles to that? Like, what do you think is keeping that from happening more often? Yeah, I think just the the foresight to even have a, a the knowledge that the roles exist. You know, like if if I didn't see someone who looks like me in a position of power in a leadership role, then I don't even think that the role is even there for me or that it, you know, that it exists, you know what I mean? And um, a lot of times as players, uh, you think about wanting to stay within the game, but not necessarily knowing what path that can can be. And not all players want to be coaches and not all coaches were good players, you know what I mean? And so just to have um, a, a program and an opportunity, I think that needs to be established for us to even see that this is a path for us. We, we're not just the athletes within the league. We can own a team. We can run a team. We can do amazing things if those opportunities exist, but you have to know and see that they exist for us. And I think that's the biggest thing, just opening the doors and just letting us have a chance. Um, and that's what you're seeing with a lot of players who, former players who are on these coaching staffs is it's like you, you just need an opportunity um, and an ability to be in a position to hone in on your skills, to learn, because you don't want to be placed in the opportunity and fail because the opportunities don't come about a lot. So if you're A1 on your game plan and A1 in your preparation, when the opportunity comes, um, you're prepared. And when opportunity meets uh, preparation, you know what happens. It definitely has happened for you. And I want to mention, you know, as we're talking about some of your past, you played for UCLA. Um, You had a reputation for quite a one that prepared to the nth degree, even as a player during your time in the WNBA, where you won a championship as a player um, in 2018, correct? Yep. And then as a coach in 2020, which is quite a feat in itself. But you you often mention some of the names that have come before you, the Pokey Chapmans, the Teresa Edwards, Jennifer Gillum, um, you know, Vicki Johnson, who played in the league. You know, some of those women didn't really didn't play in the WNBA, the Cynthia Coopers, the Cheryl Miller, um, you know, just all the women that have paved the way. So hopefully you getting this opportunity will open the door for more. I want to go back to you talking about stress being a part of this because I'm sure Arike Gumawale uh, stressed you out just a little bit the other night with that game winner. Tell us a little bit about what you've learned about yourself as a coach in this little bit of time. So at that shot goes in. What is your night like? Like, are you just up watching film over and over? Are you the type that you can put it away and sleep? Is it still haunting you right now? Like, how do you handle moments like that? Listen, I hate losing more than I love winning. <laughs> like, I I am a sore loser. So I, t- I took that loss on as if I was the one on the court and contested Arike and just got eyeball sandwich. Like, I... Feel everything and I take it on. I'm like, I don't even want to eat tonight. Like, let me get done. <laughs> and I know that's not bad, but that's just, I mean, I know that's bad, but I know that's just how competitive I am and how passionate I am and how much success I want for our team, you know. And um, it's a matter of obviously, this is a tough league, and th- those are, you know, that's going to happen. And obviously, transition to progress is like my next day. How do I approach my next day with the team? Like, I can't be out here looking like I didn't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but we had to prepare, you know, for um, our next thing. And so that's kind of been a balance for me. I don't, I, 
I'm, I'm an introvert, so I keep a lot of things in, and 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 then sometimes I just explode. Yeah, <laughs> finding that I need to have balance um, within this job already, just because it's a lot, a lot of responsibility, and um, you know, I I have to find a way to decompress in those moments um, so that you know I can be, be better. I'm not just representing myself now. I got I got a whole team on my back, and I have to step into that leadership role with. Um, just confidence and understanding day to day, things like that. We're going, we're going to, be, will, will happen. It's how do you respond to it that matters. Yeah, I mean, you are, you come across. I, I can't imagine all the things you just said, like not eating and even the stress, because you come across so chill, so under control, so low key. Um, and even in my conversations, you would, you know, with Tina Thompson. I mean, so many of the grapes. I know Tina's a great friend of yours. Came to your game and, and surprised you. Um, I believe when you guys were playing the fever, but um, even she just talked about your demeanor and kind of how you were born to be a coach. So I don't see that that stress side coming out of you, but I do believe you that it's in there, but you were built for this. So, um, but then again, going back, you were drafted by the Minnesota Lynx uh, originally in the first round, you were the fourth pick in the 2007 draft. So let them know you was a lottery pick. Okay. Um, but the, the funny thing is I kind of stumbled before I said 2018, because it's hard to believe that you were on the court at 2018 in 2018 as a player. And now you are the head coach. Like that is just incredible. If there is one thing that you would say in between that time and today that has prepared you for this moment, what, what was it? Um, just how to be a professional, honestly. Um, I played for a lot of organizations and for a lot of great coaches and with a lot of great players. And at every stop, I picked up something and I learned something. And I and honestly, I didn't learn what it um, meant to be a professional or what it took to be a professional until I got to L.A. And I played with Tina. I played with Delisha. I played with Tisha. I played with Ebony Hoffman. I played with Candace. Um, but those vets for me played with Marie Ferdinand. Like those, <laughs> excuse me, those vets for me showed me what it what I had to do in order to have longevity in the league, but also how to maximize my role. You know what I mean? I, I, I went from being a starter. I went, I had DMPs before, like I've been in playoff situations. I have, I have had a lot of experiences within my career, good, bad, or indifferent, but from those experiences, I've really taken um, it into my coaching and it shaped who I am and to understand and I could rock with everybody because I know at some point how you felt in that moment um, and just understanding like at the end of the day no matter what happens you have to be professional and you know you're you, with your reputation it follows you no, no matter where you are and 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 from that from that moment in, in LA is where I really understood that um, because of those wonderful ladies well, you have played with some of the greats, but you've also been a great and someone that probably didn't get as much limelight as you deserved in your career. But I'm glad that you're getting to shine as a coach. We don't have any more time to get too much into the Seattle storm, though. We will have you back. We do. We wanted to introduce you to the audience. Now we got to come back and grill you about the storm. But if there's one thing that you would say is the most important aspect of development for your team right now, um, I watched you guys in Atlanta. I thought your bench stepped up. You know, I thought your you, the way you changed your substitutions to keep Sue or Stewie or Jewel on the floor at different times, but also resting them. I thought that was a huge key, something you had talked about. Um, defense continues to get better. But if there's one aspect that you think is going to be important for your team to 
win another championship. I mean, can y'all do it again? What would that one, what would that one area be? Yeah. I mean, you, you hit everything on, on the nail, um, on the head of you hit everything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would add to that rebounding because, um, you know, obviously we have to finish plays and we're giving up a lot of old boards. Um, and, I think what the biggest thing is just to sustain a level of excellence and knowing we have new pieces, we still have a very good system offensively and defensively. Now it's about um, putting these pieces within our system um, to where they can shine and they can excel in their role. And that's the challenge. But I think what you're seeing is a, um, a level of just playing hard. Um, and, and understanding what that takes. But I think if we can just hone in on everything that you touched on, as well as sustain that throughout a game, um, I think that we can be in the mix at the end of the year. I'm not going, I'm, I'm not one to throw out, you know, <laughs> it, I, I, we gotta, you don't want to throw the C word out there. I don't, I just want to work every day at that. You know, obviously that's the goal, but I think we're at a very good spot right now. You are at a very good spot, especially when you've got a big three like Sue Bird, Brianna Stewart, and Jewel Lloyd, and with you as the head coach. Noel, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Good luck. I'll see you tonight in Atlanta. (laughs) Tomorrow night, yes. Tomorrow Tomorrow night. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time and congratulations. Thank you. All right, take care. Basketball fans, honestly, I think when Tarika and I sometimes, you know, look at the roster of names that we've been able to have on this podcast, we're blown away. Like, I'm just not even going to lie to you. Like the first thing people ask when they ask me about around the rim podcast and what's been great, it's that the people and the women who have built this game are so giving of their time and their knowledge and, Um, Our next guest is someone who has done it all. I mean, two-time WNBA champ, two-time ABL champ, three-time Olympic gold medalist, a finals MVP, seven-time all-star scoring champ, top 25 player of all time, women's basketball hall of fame, Naismith hall of fame, you, you name it, she's in it. But uh, we are super excited to have uh, right now a Minnesota assistant coach, Katie Smith with us on the podcast. What's up, Katie? Hey, doing great. Doing great. You know, we're out here working and enjoying this uh, wild season so far. (laughs) I know. I was going to say it has been a wild one. And um, I would be remiss if I did not mention your links were a little slow out of the gates. However, um, you've gotten Nafisa Collier back. You guys have added Lasia Clarendon to the roster. You tell me kind of what is happening. You won three out of your last four. What do you see developing with this group? And we just got to keep working, um, you know, coming out of the gate. Yeah. Training camp was, you know, pieces weren't quite there. Just like everybody. Again, this is not something new that is only to us. This is the league. It's just somewhat of a challenge for lots of teams, um, but really just trying to figure out our, our niche. Uh, we've had a lot of, you know, new players. We've got some free agents. Um, you know, you got people coming back their second year. So it's really, we're just kind of sticking with it. And, you know, part of it's just making, is just how hard you have to play every night to win a game. It's buzzer beaters. It's down to the wire. It's down to the last possessions. Um, but we're, we're excited about where we're going. Glad we got a couple wins. Um, that tough one down in D.C. Um, couldn't quite pull that one off. But uh, jump back on it on uh, Saturday against L.A., who's playing really, really well. Um, so, we're, we're, I mean, it's exciting. We, we like where we're headed. Um, we just got to go out every night and compete. And that is the bottom line because it is a dogfight every single night. 
if anyone knows about competing, it is you for sure. And to your point, I think we've had a record number of buzzer beaters so far this season, a record number of overtime games so far <laughs> this season with rosters constantly evolving with players in and out. We've got a Euro basket coming up. Players are leaving again. John Quill Jones, everyone probably saw will be gone. So a lot of moving pieces with injuries, unfortunately, also part of that story. Before we get to our five questions with the legend segment, um, Lasia Clarendon's addition was a huge boost for your team. Um, just why was she maybe one of the pieces that needed to come together for your particular team? Lay is just a, you know, a professional, right? She's, she has a command, uh, approaches the game, can, you know, really thinks the game. Um, and also just as a, as a positive, like is, you know, touches, positive touches, cheering for everybody. Uh, just, you know, I think just somebody who can, has a little more vocal um, piece for us, but also just has a command of what we're trying to do defensively, you know, offensively, she's really able to get people shot. So, um, just kind of that whole package, both on and off the court, of just kind of what she brings and how she how Lay does her job is is really really important. Yeah, I mean she is that that's what you see from her on the floor, right? Like just the professionalism and the experience, right? Because Dangerfield exactly. still is growing in that point guard spot, so having someone that's been there in the battles and understands it, I'm sure, has been great. Okay, so to commemorate the 25th season of the WNBA, we are doing our five questions with a legend. We did have Delisha Milton Jones on oh, last man. week, so <laughs> who good. was amazing. Yeah. Um, and so I figured some of the questions I'm going to keep the same, but because you may listen to the podcast, I'm going to have to change a couple questions. Uh -oh. So if you did listen to it, your five questions will be a little different. But I will start off with this one. For you personally, what was your most memorable moment in the 25 years of the WNBA? Now, it does not have to be when you were playing. It could have been when another team was playing. It just what, in your opinion, is the is the most memorable moment? I prefer for it to be with you as a player, but whatever you want to do. Yeah, no, it, it's it's me as a player. Um, man, it, it's. Oh, I, I hate favorites because there, there's so many, but, you know, it, it was my time in Detroit. It was probably, you know, winning my first championship there. You know, I had a ball in Minnesota and, you know, I was so connected and the fans, you know, no, we didn't win, you know, the way they would want us, but going to Detroit and having an opportunity and knowing you have a squad, you can go out and win this thing. And we just never let up. Um, during that time. Um, so I would say just my time in Detroit was really, really special. The group of players, coaches, and uh, yeah, that was probably one of my memorable, memorable times. And you're reunited, of course, with Cheryl Reeve. Exactly. Um, and you were reunited at one point with Bill Lambeer. So you uh -huh. guys must have liked <laughs> each other a lot during that time in Detroit. Right. But you're absolutely right. I hate Obviously, we, we don't like it when teams fold, but that was an organization that accomplished so much. Yeah. I mean, the fan following you guys had, the way you played, I mean, it was just some of, yeah. I know, a lot of our best moments. Not to mention Tweety's one of my best all-time players. There you go, exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, so my next question is, what is one thing that WNBA players are doing now that you wish, or they have now, that you oh. wish you had or were doing when you played? I think I, they have the game readies came on late. 
<laughs> the, ice, the ice machines, the Normatex, um, all these treatments, the Ultra G, these, uh, some of the, and then the trainers just, uh, so I know some of that is like the treatment and some of their home things they can take home with them to somewhat help their bodies. Um, but honestly, you know, the travel is a little bit better. Um, but I honestly, it's more so that than anything. It's just like it's the more the high tech kind of more technology, um, you know, the diet things and, and the resources they have in that way. That's probably the, the biggest thing is just all the hands on stuff they get and they get more massages and all that. So, yeah, I think that's probably the one thing. <laughs> so you're saying recovery wise, if you had, you know, all the technology they have, you would have been dropping 40 a night instead of 30 a night. Is that what I hear you yeah, saying? Pretty much. And if, you know, play against it, you can't. <laughs> touch anybody in a perimeter or anything i might have been all right and in the in the charge circle the restricted area if i had that i would have been good because there would uh. be about half less charges called against me back in the day so no it's, it's but everything involves but it honestly the recovery stuff is just like i'm like what what do you have <laughs> so yeah, yeah cool. they've they've got it all these days yeah. okay all right advice that you have gotten from a wnba either vet to you or someone else that you played with in the league that you think helped you to be at your best so advice that you've gotten from a legend of the game or someone that you played with that you feel like helped you elevate your game yeah so the advice is just honestly just kind of trying to stay in a moment and 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 not worry about all the things you can't control because we truly have the best job in the world, you know, and, and being able to play professional basketball. So it's really just like, like live in the moment, like don't hold anything back. Don't, don't save yourself. Don't pace yourself. Don't, you know, whether it's injuries or, you know, whatever, you don't make a team, like, don't, don't think about it. Just go out and enjoy kind of the moment and not all the other stuff. So I think that's mostly it, just how special this is and, and that it doesn't last. Um, we don't get to do this forever is play basketball. So that's kind of what I would say is just kind of enjoying where you're at and uh, doing, you know, letting it all hang out. Cause it, it, it definitely doesn't last as long as you'd love it to. <laughs> yes, for sure. And who was the vet that taught you that? Like who was the player that taught you that lesson? You know, it, it was kind of hard. Cause I was kind of the vet from the jump. Like we we're all <laughs> right. somewhat older. And when we came in, but there was some older in a sense of, you know, coming from overseas, but it was like all of us somewhat kind of figuring this thing out. And I think yeah. not, not having the WNBA is something that we looked at, you know, kind of growing up, it wasn't there. Um, you know, senior year, these leagues start and you're like, Oh yes, let's do it. But not knowing what this, what it would mean. Um, so we we're somewhat at that point, but I think we just realized going through it, it's like, man, I get paid to play basketball. And like, it's, <laughs> like, it just really is unreal just how special it is and how hard it is. I think that's also yeah. another part. It's just, it's just, this thing isn't easy. So, yeah. Okay. One player um, that you love to play against during your days, your favorite player to compete against and your favorite player to play with. Oh, all right. DT is one of my favorites to go against. DT and catch were um, two of my faves. Uh, Cause I, I knew, you know, uh, you know, catch might've guarded me. DT wasn't guarding me. I was going to guard her. Um, so that was always fun. Cause we'd go at it and, and make each other work and you did hit, you know, hit shots. Um, so DT is one of my faves. Plus she, you know, DT, she's got a love for the game. Even when she's competing, she's, you know, making comments and, 
smiling. So that, those are things I like of just like comments. Oh, she's yeah, talking trash. <laughs> but sometimes it's not. But it, it is like it's like you're enjoying what you're doing, right? You're you're, you're yeah. eating and wanting to beat each other, but there's also like this like love of what you're doing and like having fun while you're doing. So my favorite player to play with is Don Staley. I Don is first of all she makes you feel good about what you're doing, right? She's next shot's going in, like she's pumping you up. She's going to throw the ball to you. She's going to keep it going. And then she's another slick one. I think I like the smart Alex. Um, she's got more comments to the refs. She's got the funniest things that come out of her mouth. Like she's just, you know, she's she's funny. I mean, you see, everybody knows Dawn. So not only the basketball of like leading your team, um, but it's like the the way she makes you feel and then la- I mean just having a good time too of doing and being around so that would she was also somebody who I really I enjoy playing with yeah I can see that Dawn looks like she's having yeah. a lot of fun when she was playing man I swear <laughs> not as much fun coaching because she's doing more more of that talking to the refs and uh <laughs> you know she she's pretty good at that too she's, she's- She's good. She's slick. I she like. I mean, she, Donald, can't, she can't control the rock when the when she's coaching. So she's that's where uh, probably the 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 jokes come to an end. But no, I love Dawn. She is one of our favorites on the podcast too. All right, last question before you fry in this car. Um, uh, so I asked Alicia Milton Jones who her favorite starting five, what what her starting five would be from the group that's playing now. And since you're okay. coaching Minnesota, I'm going to allow you to keep your players out of this. So we know you would choose all five from your team if you could. But if you had to pick a starting five from the other 11 teams and the players are available that you would put up against anybody, who would that five be? Um, I still take Birdie right now. I'd, um, I'd take DT. Um, who's my three? I got Stewie. She's my four. And my five. I can't take Sue. I know that. Um, BG's playing a tail off this year. I might take Asia Wilson. Okay. Let me, let me think of my threes. Yeah. It was Ray Ross. Jewel Lloyd is a, a beast right now. Like right. Jewel Lloyd is is playing. So I think I take I take uh, I think I take those guys. So Sue you- DT Lloyd um, Stewie and dang Seattle. That's is that why they win games? That is, is that, you is got that three. I, is that three. is that what happens? Is that kind of is this how the thing works? You got three out of five from the Seattle Storm, and we just had a conversation with Noel Quinn. I think that's some of the best in the world. I, I do think I think Lloyd is is continues to take that step every time, and I still trust like DT and Birdie. Now defensively, Jules gonna have to do a lot of work, and so is Stewie. We're gonna have to do that, but Sue yeah. and DT do enough. So <laughs> well. well. I would take you coaching that five any day if I couldn't put you in that five because I know that you are many favorites. I mean, the toughness you played with is one of our best memories as we look at the 25 years of WNBA. So we celebrate you and appreciate your time as always and just being the humble. I mean, for you to have accomplished all you have in your career, you have always been so down to earth and so humble. And that's the one thing that I appreciate most about you. So thank you for being you and thank you for your time. Thanks, Katie. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. We'll see you around. All right, fam. Hey, go ahead and get that house fixed up.
I know we are. Uh, <laughs> hey, let's you. try to be good. We'll Appreciate see it. Okay, take care. Yeah, you got it. All right, bye bye. All right, that is it for today's show. Thank you all so much for listening. We will be back next week with a new episode. In the meantime, watch all the WNBA you can take. LaChina Robinson signing off for Christina Buswell and Lachelle Smith. Thank you for joining us on Around the Rim, and we will talk to you next week. Peace out. Peace out.